This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. You're listening to Live and Learn with me, Dashran Johan. MIDEC Malaysia, or the Migration for Development and Equality, recently launched Mapping Journeys, a MIDEC Malaysia exhibition 2023. Focused on the Nepal-Malaysia corridor, this exhibition offers insights into the challenges and experiences of Nepali migrant workers, shedding light on critical issues in global labour migration. So joining me on the show today to talk more about the exhibition is Cheryl Bustaman. She's the Project Manager at the GCRF South-South Migration for Development and Equality Hub. Midek, welcome to the show, Cheryl. How are you? Hi, Darshan. Thanks for having me. So let's um, first get to know um, what MIDEC is all about first. Um, what is the Migration for Development and Equality Hub? Right. So the Migration for Development and Equality Hub, or BIDEC, is a global research hub that is looking at South-to-South migration that was established in 2019 and is led co-directors, Professor Heaven Colley and Dr. Catherine Jones. So the hub consists of 12 corridor, twelve countries, which is six corridors, looking at South-to-South migration through various themes. And Malaysia is part of the Nepal-Malaysia corridor that's looking at labour migration through the lenses of gender, intermediaries and decision-making. And the team sits under the School of Arts and Social Sciences banner of Monash University, Malaysia, led by Associate Professor Yose Guan. So what does South-to-South migration mean? Right. So basically, when people uh, migrate, we tend to look at the studies of migration between South to North. For example, Mm. us Asians migrating to Northern countries or European countries. However, nobody is really looking at the South-to-South migration that is uh, rampantly happening around the world. Uh, And in uh, Asia, especially the Nepal to Malaysia migration has been happening for many years, specifically for labour. And so that's why um, this hub has been set up uh, to try to study these migration patterns and also reduce the exploitation and produce more development and equality um, in policy and also um, other aspects uh, for, for the world. So I also want to get to know, um, you know, because there is the, the MIDEC um, and then there's also GCRF. What is GCRF? So GCRF is actually our funders. They're the Global Challenge Research Fund who is funding um, MIDEC together with the UKRI, which is the UK Research Innovation. Right. Okay, so let's talk about this exhibition. What is Mapping Journeys, a a MIDEC Malaysia exhibition all about? Right. So I am the project manager of the MIDEC Malaysia team. I have been on the team since uh, June of 2022. And Mapping Journeys is basically the culmination of all of MIDEC Malaysia's work from the research findings of three of the researchers that were on this team, uh, Ms. Shamini Nathan, Ms. Yvonne Kaur, and Dr. Nadia Ahmed, to the creative translations of it, such as digital comics, uh, videos, and more. It also features the work of our impact and engagement initiatives like Kesakita, which was a content creators training for migrants and refugees uh, to create content for social media and also partnerships with other MIDEC members like the University of Manchester. Right. So could you tell me like what inspired this exhibition? Why did you all decide to do this? So we, the like I said before, um, there are 12 countries working on this and also different kinds of work packages that also look at specific uh, themes, if you will. But MIDEC Malaysia uh, is looking at those three specific themes, which were gender, intermediaries, and decision-making. Um, the researchers uh, did most of the research between 20, uh, 2019 to 2021, 
um, during the height of COVID. And then when we were entering into 2022, we were trying to decide how to translate this and disseminate it to a wider audience, not just to academics via publications or, you know, um, put giving input into policy papers. So our co-investigator, uh, Dr. Yosengwan, decided we should take uh, a creative route and partner with uh, local artists such as Okuilala and Fu Weiming. Uh, and also uh, associations like North South Initiative, who's been our biggest uh, partner in terms of being on the ground with the Nepali migrant workers, and also Project Liberate, to come together to create uh, creative outputs in different forms so that it can be disseminated to a wider audience and like to people like yourself. So Mapping Journeys is really um, a combination of all of that that was conceptualized by Dr. Nadia Ahmad. Because how do you put in so much information right. and this? in a cohesive way, right? So uh, what Nadia did was that she envisioned showcasing all of these outputs through a journey of migration mm. from Nepal to Malaysia. And we've split the static exhibition into three different stages of nodes, which is before migration, uh, which includes the motivations of why uh, Nepalis decide to become migrants, uh, becoming a migrant. So what are the processes and who is involved in helping you, uh, you know, go facilitate this journey of migration? And then finally, being a migrant. What happens when you land here in Malaysia? What are the experiences like? Does it really match, um, you know, what you thought it was going to be your perceptions when you were in Nepal? And how do you uh, sort of place make when you're here and make Malaysia sort of distortedly your home? So... From there, the exhibition also further splits into three different mediums. Mm. The static exhibition, which is now held in Monash University, Malaysia, until the 10th of November. A virtual exhibition that is available online. And an immersive experience session where participants are then taken through the journey of being a Nepali migrant worker through an interactive simulation. Nice. So you, earlier you mentioned three teams. Um, could you expand on those three teams and how did you all come to um, those three teams? So uh, MyDeck, MyDeck uh, as a hub is looking at 11 different kinds of work packages mm. um, from access to justice and gender. And so we in, in the MyDeck, uh, Nepal-Malaysia corridor really uh, decided to look at three different kinds of uh, three different work packages. So mm -hmm. gender inequalities, where we look at sort of the gender nature of migration and mobility. What are the motivations for men to migrate versus the women? Uh, what kind of intermediaries do they go through? Is it more formal or informal or is it the same for both genders? And then what is the experience when they come here? Is it also the same or slightly different? Um, work package four, which is migrant perceptions, knowledge, and decision making, uh, looks at how these shape the migrants' subject subjectivities and how they evolve over time in the migration experience. So, like I said just now, um, does it match your perception of what you thought it would be uh, when you were in the village in Nepal versus when you actually come here and live the experience? Right. Is it the same or is it different? How do you make the decision to come here to Malaysia and not to any other country, like say the UAE? or, you know, just next door to India. And then finally, uh, intermediaries, the facilitation of the migration rec recruitment and mobility. So this one is really looking at what kind of intermediaries are involved in, you know, bringing you over from Nepal to Malaysia. How do you get here, you know? Most of the time, um, the migrants that come to Malaysia are actually from uh, uh, vill villages in the east of Nepal, mm. at least 40% of them, and they uh, actually live in the border to India in the lowlands. So they come from slightly remote villages, um, 
no real access to information other than um, word of mouth of village leaders. And so it's very interesting to see the sort of informal intermediaries that are involved in helping facilitate them over here. So could you share some key findings or insights from the research conducted by MIDAC Malaysia over the past four years in the context of labour migration from Nepal to Malaysia? Um, one of the key findings is definitely where the migrants uh, come from. I think mm. in Malaysia, we always talk about how um, we, t- we tend to, to generalise based on nationality, but we don't really look at the cusp of where um, people really come from. Mm. I mean, as you know, even in Malaysia itself, we call ourselves Malaysia, but it's very a Klantanese person is very different from a Zabahan person who's very different from a person from Slango or KL. Right. So it's always obviously the same in Nepal. So like I mentioned earlier, uh, 40% of our migrant workers actually come from the east of Nepal from quite remote villages. Um, and while, you know, the expectations and the motivations are generally similar between the Nepali men and women, there are some differences between why they choose to leave their countries for work. Um, We noticed that the migration experience is very uh, masculine affirming. So men tend to choose to migrate um, not just um, for better job opportunities, but sometimes also just for adventure. Hmm. Uh, Whereas the women uh, choose to migrate usually uh, as a necessity to provide for their families and also for a little bit of uh, gender independence uh, that they might not get back back in the villages. Um, you, the the way that um, human resource outsourcing companies also treat uh, treat the migrant workers um, is also very varied. So you can get employers who are very um, good to you and go through proper channels uh, and provide you proper living quarters. But there are also employers who sort of skirt away from from what you have been promised right. uh, off days, for example. Or there can be um, overcharging for the recruitment, extra deduction in salaries and some misinformation about labor rights. Um, This is why our partner, uh, North-South Initiative, is so important, uh, because they are really on the ground uh, doing the work to make sure that the migrant workers are educated about their rights. Um, However, there is a lack of access for the workers to, Mm. you know, reach these various channels to learn about their rights or seek legal recourse when needed, uh, which is what we found. And sometimes also the cost of migration is very, very high. That was one of our biggest findings. Um, the debt that is accrued is almost uh, twice the amount of the salary that they earn here monthly. Wow. So a migrant worker might take up to five years to pay their debt, uh, which means that they might stay in Malaysia from up between two to ten years. Mm-hmm. But again, I must iterate that I was not the researcher that right. this. The three researchers that I mentioned earlier was the one who did the research. I am merely um, just giving you a very summarized version of it. So let's go for a very quick break. Like loads more to unpack, but um, on the show with me today is Cheryl Bustaman. She's the project manager at the GCRF South South Migration for Development and Equality Hub. My deck. We continue our chat after the break. Keep it here on Live and Learn BFM eighty nine point nine. Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me today is Cheryl Bustaman. She's the project manager of MyDAC Malaysia and we're talking about an exhibition that they just launched called Mapping Journeys, a MyDAC Malaysia exhibition 2023. Um, so, uh, so Cheryl, um, uh, before the break, you talked uh, a little bit about or gave an overview of the key findings or insights um, from the research. 
How have these findings um, from the research contributed to a better understanding of labour migration and its impact, not just on Nepal, but also on Malaysia? I think for the team, it, uh, we definitely unearthed a lot of things that we didn't know before. Uh, for example, the recruitment processes, uh, you know, the the financial cost of the migration, the motivations, and definitely the perceptions versus the reality. Uh, what we've been trying to do, uh, like I said before, is try to disseminate this in uh, as creative uh, a way as possible to the general public, not just to policymakers. Um, our researcher, Yvonne Kaur, uh, had also done some debriefing sessions with some stakeholders on an executive level. So she spoke to um, workers' unions, uh, employment agencies, um, people of that level um, to sort of show them her findings and tell them, um, you know, what, what, and discuss sort of informally what could be done better and ex sort of explore that. Uh, so that's one of the things that we're really trying to do. I think the biggest thing that MyDeck Malaysia is trying to achieve um, through this exhibition and also all of our work is a change in the narrative. So we really don't want people to just see Nepali migrant workers as, oh, your security guards cannot speak English right. and all of the negative perceptions that surround it. Um, we want to humanize the experience and humanize the journey. And for people, Malaysians especially, to kind of understand that it is um, a very daunting journey and it is a struggle that involves not just a lot of bureaucracy, but also many layers of bureaucracy and many layers of intermediaries and a lot of money um, just so that they can, uh, you know, have an occupation and provide livelihood for their family. Mm. Um, one thing Malaysians don't really think about is how, when we talk about job opportunities, um, our problems are quite um, menial in comparison because, you know, we have to go and look for jobs. The job opportunities are scarce or the pay is slightly low, but it's very rare that Malaysians are fully exposed to exploitation, whereas migrant workers who come here even on valid means are still subject to some form of exploitation, even if it's informally. Right. So, I Malaysia is trying to change that narrative and provide as much information as possible in sort of a light, easily digestible way through this exhibition. You know, before the break, you brought up something very interesting, which is um, how, you know, even if we look at it from a Malaysian um, context, um, you know, someone from um, Kelantan may not be the same as someone from Selangor. Why is that important? Like, you know, even when we understand the, the you know, the, the whole situation in Nepal, why is it important to understand specifically where they are from? What does that tell you? Um, on a personal level, I feel that knowing the origins of where these migrant workers are from play a part in understanding um, why they choose to take on this journey mm. and, you know, their motivations for going through all this hardship. Um, Nepal, like any other country, is obviously uh, geographically um, segregated. Um, and there is a difference between if you were born somewhere in the highlands or if you were born in the lowlands or if you were born in an urban city versus a remote village. Uh, different kind of accesses, different kind of opportunities are afforded to you. And um, th that was why I made the, the parallel with Malaysia because it's also, you know, more or less the same. Right. So understanding where uh, these migrant workers predominantly are from can sort of give Malaysians a better understanding of why sometimes it's say, difficult for them to learn a language or difficult for them to write your very long full name on a security guard form. 
uh, or difficult for them to figure out how to work this very complicated uh, iPad or security system right. uh, that they're being made to do, but they do it. So um, when we understand the origins of where people are from, we understand the situations from where they come from, um, it might be then easier for us to develop or foster a little bit more understanding to how they are trying to cope here. What would you say are some of the unique challenges faced by Nepali migrant workers in Malaysia, um, especially when it comes to living and working conditions? Um, again, it's very. it really depends on who your employers are and what mm. kind of uh, safeguarding they have in their companies itself. Um, there's this, there is this perception that, you know, coming to Malaysia is like a land of employment opportunities. You know, there's the recruitment fees are slightly more affordable than if you were to go to a Gulf country or a UAE country. And there's going to be um, social networks and freedom, but that's not necessarily true. The reality of it is that, you know, your employers expect um, there's a lot of high expectation uh, for you. Uh, you know, you're expected to already know the language. You're expected to already know how to do the work. Uh, the work is dangerous. There's long hours. There's very rarely any days off, mm -hmm. uh, despite that all of this was promised to you. Uh, sometimes, even before you arrive in Malaysia, the contract that is given for you to sign is entirely in Malay. It's not translated into Nepali. So you don't even really know what you're signing. And then when you come here, your employer say, oh, but you already put your signature down. This is what you have agreed to. And this can also come into like low wages as well. And um, there's a lot of loneliness and discrimination and also um, not a safe working environment, especially for the women. So based on um, the research, right, what are the policy changes that need to be done to improve the lives of Nepali workers in Malaysia? Well, this is a very large <laughs> and loaded question, right. but definitely uh, on a general scale, more labour protection and perhaps just more safeguarding policies towards how we bring these migrant workers over and how we treat them when they're here. Um, I know that a lot of private companies, uh, their HR departments are now um, doing direct hiring where they go over to Nepal, they hire an interpreter, and they go to these villages and they hire the workers themselves. So they don't rely on a third person intermediary to do that. Um, personally, I think that's quite a good practice um, because you as a representative from the company, you can go there and tell them what the working situation is going to be like. Um, there are also cases now where um, they are trying to transcend the language barrier by providing documents that are also translated in Nepali. So that's also quite good. But overall, just generally more labour protection would be, would be better. So now circling back to the exhibition as well, um, what can visitors expect to see and learn at the Mapping Journeys exhibition? So, like I said before, we've already split it into three different uh, nodes, mm -hmm. which show you the different aspects of our research and the different aspects of migration when it comes to Nepali migrant workers. So, when you come to the exhibition, you're really going on this journey. It's um, immersive on both levels, even uh, where you, you start actually in the basement uh, of one of the buildings here. Right. And then go through the exhibition uh, to watch some interviews that we've done with uh, Nepali uh, migrant workers here and also their families back in Nepal in the villages. Um, parents, wives who have stayed back in Nepal and who have family members here. Um, and then you go through uh, a Nepali uh, representation of a Nepali house. 
Uh, and then you come out to see uh, the digital the digital comics that have been done by uh, Rachel Calls, our partners. Mm. After that, you have to physically migrate upwards on to another location on campus uh, where you basically visit the last note of the exhibition, which is being a migrant, which essentially is a representation of coming to Malaysia. And everything within that space is all about placemaking and how the migrants and, and Nepali workers are coping here in Malaysia. Right. And how can the public um, who are interested um, either support or check out this exhibition? Uh, they can go to mappingjourneyproject.com, uh, which is our virtual exhibition site. And you will see everything in a digital form there. But for a more immersive experience, uh, there is a QR code to scan for our panels and uh, you can sign up for one of our immersive experience exhibitions, uh, sessions, sorry, where you uh, basically go through a simulation, an interactive simulation of a Nepali migrant worker uh, and uh, basically just register for those and come on to campus to visit the exhibition for yourself. And um, before we wrap this conversation up, would you have a final message um, for us, especially with regard to um, you know, the, the struggles that Nepali workers go through and the kind of awareness um, you want to raise among Malaysians? Uh, well, as you know, a lot of my work, um, you know, in our previous conversations as well, mm -hmm. uh, revolves around humanizing the narrative. Uh, MyDeck Malaysia is really trying to change the narrative of the fact that Nepali migrant workers or migrant workers in general are not human. Um, this idea that the people who come here for livelihood are at our beck and call for us to exploit. It's fine to make a Nepali migrant worker or an Indonesian domestic worker work long hours with no days off. But, you know, Malaysians need to have work. Uh, what, what is it? Work-life balance. That's right. <laughs> we need to have special work from home days. Uh, meanwhile, it's fine for your security guard to be there 12 hours a day um, with just a simple chant table. So right. I guess my message to Malaysians is um, come see for yourself what uh, these people have to go through and then maybe take a step back and think about uh, what your perceptions have been and really look at the realities of what the migrant workers uh, really experience and maybe migrate your perceptions and perspectives. I think that's very well said. On that note, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Dashan. That was Cheryl Bustama. She's the project manager of MyDeck Malaysia. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan, and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.